Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. Good morning, Grace. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. That would be in between 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, if that helps you at all. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, a, a great passage we'll look at today. Um, and a lot of the themes of uh, this passage we have just been singing. First Chronicles 16, let's pray before we begin. Father, you indeed are infinitely glorious. And we praise you this morning and we worship you. And we find our joy in you and we delight in you because of the gospel of your son Jesus Christ and because of his perfect life and perfect death, perfect resurrection, because of your spirit that you give to us, Father. And we are so dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things out of your word this morning. You would draw us to you through your word. And we'd find our joy in you, in Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing our series on discipleship, and today's message is going to kind of give us a very broad framework to work with as we pursue uh, our mission of making disciple-making disciples. And still, if you are interested in being discipled by someone, or discipling someone, or if you want to be in a group of people that walk through some discipleship material, or if your Sunday school class or small group wants to take discipleship seriously, please fill out a connection card, the little yellow cards in front of you, let us know and we want to help you out. We want to be busy about the task of making disciple making disciples. We don't want to just make disciples. We want to make disciples who know how to make disciples, who know how to make disciples and so on. And we want to do that because Jesus commanded us to do that in Matthew 28. So we're continuing this series about discipleship. I'm excited today about preaching this message for two reasons. One, because I'm going to lay out for us today what our new mission statement is here at Grace. And so I'm excited about doing that. I've been excited for several months to preach this message. The second reason I'm excited is because our new mission statement comes out of 1 Chronicles. Who gets a mission statement out of 1 Chronicles these days? We do. That's who. So I'm excited. That's what you get when you have a pastor who is an Old Testament major in seminary. You find your, your, your mission statement not out of the Psalms, but out of kind of the dusty book of 1 Chronicles. And I, I love it. I just know that sometimes we don't turn to that for our morning devotionals, but it is God's word, and that's what we're going to see today. Uh, In January, I woke up in the middle of the night. uh, Tabitha, one of our little girls, woke up and was crying, had a nightmare, so I grabbed my phone and went and laid in bed with her to get her to go to sleep. And I was laying there waiting for her to go back to sleep. I couldn't go back to sleep because I'm a light sleeper, so... Uh, I just started reading in God's word and was led to 1 Chronicles 16, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, and then came up with our new mission statement. So it's been with me for a few months. That's kind of the story, how I got it. 1 Chronicles 16.10 specifically is the verse that jumped out to me, and I said, that's got to be the launching pad, that verse for our new mission statement. 1 Chronicles 16.10 says this, Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. 
So it is that verse at about three in the morning that began this process for me for the next couple of hours, hammering out what I believe our mission statement was going to be for grace as we move forward in the future. So let's read First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 1 through 43. Hear the words of the glorious God that we serve. It says in verse 1, And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke to thank and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and second to him were Zechariah, Jael, Shemaramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obed-Edom, and Jael, who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his peace, his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed as a statute to Jacob, as an everlasting covenant to Israel, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number and of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens." Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly before the Ark as each day required. And also Obed-Edom and his 68 brothers, while Obed-Edom, the son of Jeduthun and Hosa, were to be gatekeepers. And he left Zadok the priest and his brothers the priests before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place that was at Gibeon to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly morning and evening to do all that is written in the law of the Lord that he commanded Israel. With them were Heman and Jeduthun and the rest of those chosen and expressly named to give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Heman and Jeduthun had trumpets and cymbals for the music and instruments for sacred song. The sons of Jeduthun were appointed to the gate and then all the people departed, each to his house, and David went home to bless his household. What an exciting passage. Not even because it has the name He-Man there, which I pronounced He-Man. I didn't want to say He-Man and throw you off. What an exciting passage we're going to look at today. So let me tell you ahead of time. You can just sit back and relax. You don't have to try to scribble notes and write down verses. I'm going to be quoting a lot of verses today. I'm going to be quoting a lot of people today. You can sit back and relax. And later on this week, the entire sermon manuscript that I preach from will be online as it is every week. So you can just sit back and soak up God's word this morning if you want to. Here is our new mission statement at Grace. We exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere and in everything. That's going to be our new mission statement that I hope that you take on for your life and for your family, for your small group and your Sunday school class and your ministry everywhere that you go. That you realize that you exist to ignite a passion in other people to glorify and enjoy God everywhere they go and in everything they do. That's what I mean. As human beings, we were made to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we were made to invite others and call them into that same experience of glorifying God and enjoying him in everything that we do. Now, we know that this mission statement here is only possible through the gospel because Jesus came and lived a perfect life and never sinned and died on the cross, as we saw last week, and absorbed all of God's wrath, and God raised him from the dead. The only way we're ever able to do this right here is because of the gospel, because Jesus Christ has come and made it possible. Okay? So even though you don't see the word gospel in there, and I struggle, that's why it took me two hours in the morning to figure it out. I was trying to cram in gospel and discipleship, and I gave up. The, the gospel is there. The gospel is that we were created to glorify God and enjoy him. So the gospel is there even though you don't see the word gospel. And discipleship is there even though you don't see the word discipleship. Because discipleship is igniting a passion in others to glorify God and enjoy him everywhere and in everything. So if you're wondering, you hear me talk about the gospel a lot and about discipleship, well, why isn't it in there? I tried to make it fit, but it was like this long and this wide and pages. And I said, mission statement's got to be something we can all remember. So it's there. 
All right, let's unpack this. The first phrase there, we exist. We exist to do exactly what this mission statement says, and that is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's why we were created. Revelation 4.11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You are breathing right now because 10 million trillion thousand years ago, God decided to make you. It's why you're breathing right now. It's why you exist. God knew In eternity past, I'm going to create you so that you glorify me and you find your joy in me. It's why you were created. I mean, it's kind of important to figure out why you're here on the earth, isn't it? Is it important to figure out what's my purpose? What's my existence in life? Hey, I've answered it for you today. Okay, if you came in, what's my goal in life, Lord? What's my purpose? You were made to glorify God and enjoy him. It's why you were made. And so if you don't glorify God and enjoy him now, you've missed your whole purpose of living. We see it in Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever, now and for eternity. Sam Storm says, God created you for the first and greatest commandment to be a lover of God. A lover of God glorifies him and enjoys him everywhere they go and in everything that they do. So we exist, here's our next part of our statement here, to ignite a passion. We exist to ignite this passion in people, in ourselves, and in others. And we know ultimately it's the Spirit that does does this, but God uses us. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the faith that was deposited in him. Paul is telling Timothy, fan into flame. The faith, the trust, the hope that is there. Then he tells him in 1 Timothy 1.5, the aim of our charge or our preaching is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul was encouraging Timothy to stoke the fire, the flame in his heart, his passion for Jesus. Paul said the goal of every disciple is that we preach. The aim of our charge is love. We want people to love God with all of their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength. It's why I preach every morning. It's why you should tell people about Jesus. It's why your Sunday school teachers teach. It's why we teach in Awana and in Sunday school. The kids here, the aim of our charge, the aim of our preaching is that people would love Jesus with all of their heart. All of their soul, all of their mind, all of their strength. We exist to ignite a passion for Jesus in this world. I'm not against sports. I'm not against you liking things. I like things. But as we saw several months ago, John Winter Smith, you remember his passion was to visit every Starbucks in the world. That's crazy. That's his passion. Man, there's... There's something bigger and better in this world to be excited about. And it's why you were made. It's why I was made to live for Jesus and to ignite this passion in others. A forest fire of passion burning in our hearts to glorify God and to enjoy him. That's why we are to live 
to wake up every morning. And if the forest fire passion isn't there, then you cry out to the Lord and say, stir my heart. But this is why we were made. Psalm 35, 27. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore. Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Isaiah 26, 8, your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. That's why we exist as a church body. It's why you exist as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's why you exist as a human being to glorify God and to enjoy him forever and to spend your days laboring to see that every person in your life and every person on this planet or any of those orbiting in space shuttles or anything, that they would find their joy in God and glorify him forever. We see that Israel's passion for the Lord was ignited because what does verse 36 say after David gives them this brand new worship song to sing? At the end of verse 36, it says, Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Their passion for God was ignited after David said, I've got this new song I want to play for you. And after he did his song, everybody said, Amen, because their passion was ignited. The, the, the flames of their heart were stoked, and there was this forest fire of passion and joy for Yahweh, the sovereign Lord. And that's why we exist as a church. And we do that for every person. Verse 36 says all the people, and that's why we exist to ignite a a passion in every person. Every person means that racial barriers should be destroyed in the church. The nations of this world should be reached. Our city should be reached. Our neighbors should be reached. Our co-workers, our family members, our kids, our grandkids. When I say every in every person, I mean in every person. From here on the central coast all the way to the coastlands. Isaiah 66, 19 says, To the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. Or 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8 through 10. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So we want to do our part to reach people on the central coast all the way to the faraway coastlands. We want to see the gospel go to the nation. So let's focus on the faraway coastlands for a moment. We want to declare God's glory among the nation. There are 2 billion people in 6,000 people groups who are unreached and have no access to the gospel at all. They never heard of Jesus. 2 billion people in 6,000 people groups who have no access to the gospel at all unless someone goes they know enough of god to be condemned to hell according to romans 1 but they don't know about a savior we want to send people we want to pray for people around the world 
that they may hear the gospel and glorify God and enjoy him forever. We know it's going to happen. Revelation 5 says that every nation, race, tribe, and tongue will be gathered around the throne and worship Jesus. So we know it's a done deal, but we don't sit back and do nothing. We must pray. We must go. Revelation 5, 9 through 10 says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, people, and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. If you read all of chapter 5, let me give you some homework today for this week. Go home and read Revelation chapter 5. You will see that God's glory is mentioned over and over again in this chapter. You will also see that the angels drop their hearts, harps and they drop these bowls that have incense in them to worship God. And what's inside the bowls, the incense, it's the prayers of the saints. So you see the connection of prayer and the gospel going to every tribe, nation, race, and tongue. There's a connection there. Read it this week and meditate. I was reading it this morning and it jumped out to me. It's like, ah, there's a connection. If we don't pray, if we don't send, these people will never hear. So we must pray so that every tribe, every language, every people, every nation hears the gospel. That's what I mean when I say we exist to ignite a passion in every person. One of the ways that you can do your part to see every person, every tribe, every language, every nation come to glorify and enjoy God is to pray for the missionaries that we support here at Grace and to pray for the people that they are ministering to. One of the ways that you can do your part is praying. Praying for our missionaries. The mission of God is the is recreating the world that we live in, making everything brand new. And part of his mission is to reach every person and you can join him. Teenagers, oh, I am praying for you that you get a heart for missions. You get a heart to go to the nation. Singles, college students, you don't know what you're doing with your life. Retired people, I am praying for you that you would develop a heart for the nation so that you say, you know what, I don't care about the American dream. I care about this, the greatest mission of all, to reach every tribe, nation, race, and tongue with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no more exciting thing happening in the world today. I sat in a restaurant on Friday nights. And there was a Lakers game on. There was about four. It was a sports bar type place. Like 40 screens and TVs everywhere. The Lakers were playing. Some LA hockey team. I don't even know. I don't follow hockey. All these sports things were going on. And whenever somebody from LA scored, this, this restaurant just, just, there was, yeah, cheering. We couldn't even talk as a family. There's something better than the LA Lakers. There's something more exciting. If I was in Texas, I would say the Dallas Cowboys, and it would really resonate. There's a greater mission in this world. Something more exciting is the plan of God from eternity past to see every single person in this world come to glorify him and enjoy him forever. There's nothing better I'd rather do than be a part of that. And I'm going to call some of you to that. Is God stirring your heart? I'm praying for you that he does. First Chronicles 16 
Sing to the Lord in verse 23. All the earth, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And here's the reason why. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. We should have a burning passion in our hearts to see the nations come to worship him. We should all have a burning passion that we say, I want to go. You ever walk your dog on the leash and what's the dog do? He's pulling you. You see the people going down the street and the dog's pulling him. That should be every Christian. I want to go to the nations, God. I want to go. I want to go. And unless God pulls you back, then go. We should all have that burning desire to say, I want to reach the nations with the gospel. I have to have that passion. At our church in Texas, I had a lady come up to us and she said, you better not be leaving us because all you talk about in your sermons is that God may call you to go to be a missionary. You can't leave us. And I said, how can I preach and tell you to go to the nations if I don't have a burning desire to go? If I can't pack my bags tonight and go? And I had another lady came up to her because I told the church, look, I'm praying for your kids that they become missionaries and they lay their lives down and become martyrs for the gospel. And I had a lady come up and say, please stop praying that for my kids. I don't want them to go overseas. I understand the gospel. Please don't pray that for my kids. And she was partly joking, but she was partly serious. We should be praying that here. One of the ways that you can help see the gospel spread to the nations is simply by praying. And it can be very easy, okay? You see the commercials on TV. Now it used to be, you know, 30 minutes, three times a week. You can work out and look like this. I saw one the other day that says, for 10 minutes a day, you can look like this. I want to look like that guy for 10 minutes of workout a day, okay? They, They make it so easy now. Let me tell you, it can be so easy for you to be involved in missions, you can go to joshuaproject.net. You can sign up and they will daily send you an email about an unreached people group in the world. So every morning when I wake up, before I get out of bed, I'm laying in the bed praying for the nations, 30 seconds a minute. Do you have 30 seconds every morning before you get out of bed? You can, in the comfort of your bed, you can pray for the nations if you have a smartphone. It's so easy, isn't it? Just to pray, 30 seconds, or go to work, sign up for the email. Anytime you open your email, there it is. You take 30 seconds to pray. You'll start to familiarize yourself with some of the people groups out there, and you'll be like, oh, I've already prayed for these people before. And they even tell you how to pray. 
Not only do we want to reach the coastlands, but we want to reach the central coast here. We want to reach everyone in Santa Maria and the surrounding areas. We exist as a church to reach this city for the gospel. That means every person that walks through this door, we want them to leave with their passion ignited to glorify God and enjoy him everywhere they go and in everything they do. Everyone that walks through that door, I hope that they leave with a forest fire of passion in their heart to glorify God and enjoy him everywhere that they go and in everything that they do. I want the same thing for the youth group. I want the same thing for the kids at Awana in Sunday school and your small groups in your Bible studies in the nursery as we pray over these babies. Oh, if you serve in the nursery, pray for those babies. Say, God, raise them up. Lord, this, this little child could be a missionary. This little child could be a martyr for you. Put it in his heart at an early age. Put it in her heart at an early age. Open their eyes. Let them believe the gospel. And then put a forced fire of passion in their hearts to go to the nations to preach the gospel. We want the gospel to spread in this city and through this church and through the families of this church. First Chronicles sixteen fifteen says, remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. We want to pray that a passion to glorify God and enjoy him would run through our families so that our kids and our grandkids and great grandkids begin hearing the gospel, believing the gospel and becoming passionate about it. Why declare his glory to every person so that people may know him? Why tell the wonderful uh, good news of the gospel to the entire world so that people may know him? That they may know his love and may know his grace and may know love his peace. I think John Owen is correct. He says, so much as we see of the love of God, so much shall we delight in him. If we are ever to enjoy the Lord, we must understand his deep love for us. If we don't understand how much he loves us, we will not delight in him. Walter Marshall, speaking to Christians, says this, God does not drive you along with whips and terrors or by the rod of the schoolmaster of the law. Rather, he leads you and draws you to walk in his ways by pleasant attractions. Hosea 11 The love of Christ is the greatest and most pleasant attraction to encourage you to godly living. You cannot love God if you are under the continual secret suspicion that he is really your enemy. You simply cannot love God unless you know and understand how much he loves you. In the gospel, you can come to know that God truly loves you through Christ. When you have this assurance... You can even love your enemies because you know that you are reconciled to God. You know that God's love will make people's hatred of you work together for your good. Now, if you've never repented and trusted in Christ, the Bible says that you are God's enemy. But for those of you Christians who have turned from your sins and you had admitted your sins and you're leaning and trusting on Jesus Christ, listen, you will not delight in God and find your joy in him if you are under the secret suspicion that he is your enemy or that he views you as his enemy. In the gospel, there is freedom. We love and delight in and enjoy God to the degree that we know him. That's why we need to be reading our Bibles. That's why we need to be involved in fellowship and in discipleship. It's why we need to come hear sermons on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Is because the more we know about God, the more we will love him and the more we will find our joy in him. 
Let's talk about the next phrase, to glorify and enjoy God. Maybe, these, this, maybe the phrase enjoying God is a new concept to you. Where do I get this? I get this from question one from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It says, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why we were created. It's the chief end. It's your purpose for living. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But how do we glorify him and enjoy him? John Piper explains as he is quoting Jonathan Edwards. He says, one truly glorifies God precisely by rejoicing and delighting in the manifold manifold display of who God is and what he does. So we glorify God by delighting in who he is. He continues, merely understanding the perfections of God cannot be the end for which God created us as beings who think and feel. What he's saying is that it's not just having a perfect understanding of God. That's not the end, that we just know everything about God. He says, we are people who think and feel. We have emotions and affections. So we should be enjoying what we see and understand of God's glory. He continues, neither can the highest aim of creation be the declaring of God's glory to others. For as Jonathan Edwards says, the declaring of God's glory is good for nothing otherwise than to raise joy in ourselves and others at what is declared. What Edwards is saying, and Piper is trying to explain, and I'm going to try to explain to you now, is that simply declaring God's glory among the nations is not enough. The point of declaring God's glory among the nations is that people would hear about the kind of God that he is and through the gospel repent and believe and find their joy in him. That they just wouldn't have a mental understanding of who God is, but that their heart would be unleashed with a forest fire of joy and passion of understanding who God is. We were created to declare God's glory so that we and others might raise our joy in him as he is declared in all his glory. We were created to raise joy in others as they see God's glory and that's why we do missions around the world so that others will find their joy in who God is. Or as Piper has said, and I'm sorry I'm quoting him, he's been a massive influence on my life and he's in our denomination So I've got another reason why. He's part of our family. He says this, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. You glorify God the most when you enjoy him the most. When you delight in him above all things, when he is your treasure in this world, then you give him the most glory. You glorify him big time when you can say with the psalmist in Psalm 43, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Or when you say with Psalm 4-7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their wine and grain abound. In other words, you have put more joy in my heart than the world has when they have all the things that, 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 that glisten and sparkle and shine and all the money that they can have all that because you've put more joy in my heart than they have when they have everything that they want. Sam Storm said, happiness is the very reason God created the universe. Indeed, it is for happiness that we exist. The aim of God in creation and redemption is therefore the delight he himself enjoys in seeing his creatures delight in him. So that when you find your joy in God, then God takes pleasure in that. John Calvin said, there is not one blade of grass. There is no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. 
God wants you to enjoy him in this life. Jack Miller, a pastor who's now with the Lord, said, What good are my labors if I'm no longer enjoying the Lord? What good does it serve the Lord if we don't enjoy him? If it's with drudgery, oh, I've got to go work today with the kids. What good does that do the kids? What good does that do you? If you're no longer enjoying the Lord, what good are our labors? If we're not saying, I get to serve the God of the universe and be a part of his mission by praying for the nations, by serving in this church, trying to reach the city, trying to reach the kids in this church and the people in this church. What good are our labors if we don't enjoy the God that we serve? He's not a taskmaster. He calls us to himself in love to enjoy him. Matthew Henry said, The joy of the Lord will arm us against the assaults of our spiritual enemies and put our mouths out of taste for those pleasures with which the tempter baits his hooks. We were made to enjoy God. Jonathan Edwards, again, says, The enjoyment of God is our highest happiness and is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, or children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows, but God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the ocean. God wants us to enjoy the things we have in life, but we must remember the source from which they come. We were made to enjoy the Lord. I cannot highly recommend to you enough Sam Storm's book, Pleasures Evermore, The Life-Changing Power of Enjoying God. Uh, I highly recommend this book to you. I've quoted from it before. I've quoted from from it today. Um, Later on today, I'll put a a link to a free PDF of the first chapter if you want to read it and get uh, the, the fire in your heart stoked to learn what it means to enjoy the Lord. That will be up there for you. Let me explain how Sam Storm's work. Jonathan Edwards is up here. Amen? He's up there, right? You read him, whoa, it's heavy. John Piper tries to explain Jonathan Edwards, but sometimes John Piper is up here, right? Sam Storms is a Edwardsian scholar. Okay, He knows Jonathan Edwards. He brings it down another level, and he's an easy read, and he will teach you what it means to enjoy the Lord. We exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere and in everything. And that's the last phrase we'll look at here. Everywhere and in everything. Wherever we go and whatever we do, we were made to be glorifying God and enjoying Him. 1 Corinthians 10 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians three seventeen. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You were made to enjoy the Lord in every place that you go and in everything that you do. If you're eating pie, you were made to enjoy the pie and enjoy the Lord as you enjoy the pie. If you're drinking coffee... Watching a great movie, serving at church, gardening, reading a book, writing poetry, painting, whatever it is that you, were, you do on this earth, you were made to enjoy the Lord as you do those things. He's not some cosmic killjoy. He wants you to enjoy him as you do whatever it is that you do in this world. Abraham Kuyper said this, as an image bearer of God, man possesses the ability both to create something beautiful 
and to delight in it. That means you can do some gardening. You were made as an image bearer to create beautiful things and to delight in them and ultimately to find your joy in the Lord. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I pray that your passion is that you want to glorify God and enjoy him and that you want to spread that passion to others. Will you join me on our new mission? We exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify God and to enjoy him everywhere and in everything. May he empower us by his spirit to do this very thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you aren't some cosmic killjoy, God, but that you take great delight when we take great delight in you, God, and you created us to glorify you and enjoy you in all the little things that we do in life. And especially in preaching the gospel here on the central coast all the way to the faraway coastlands, God. May you be honored. May you stoke in us a a passion, stoke the fires, blow on them, Holy Spirit, I pray, and ignite in us a forest fire of passion to see the gospel go to every single people group. Father, we pray for the 2 billion people in the 6,000 people groups who have no access to the gospel, that you would raise up people in your church today and in this church specifically to go to the nations, to be a part of the greatest mission of all, to see the peoples of the world glorifying you and enjoying you forever. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you by God's grace to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebath.net.